Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you guys here at New Life. Yeah. All right. I got people on the balcony that are excited, people downstairs that are excited. It's awesome. Wow, man. It feels like forever since I've been here. But I was just here last Sunday. Yeah, I love, I love joining together with you guys. Uh, my wife and I were gone for a few weeks. Um, some of you knew that. Some of you didn't know that. <clears throat> we, uh, we went on a missionary tour with one of our missionaries in the Baltic states, which are Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. If you don't know where those are at, praise God for free Wi-Fi that we offer here at New Life. <clears throat> and that way you can just plug that into your phone and you can find it, all right? So I'm looking around to see, okay. I know many of you have no clue where that is, but you're unwilling to look at your phone because you're like, I'm not going to be the person. Um, it's okay. It's all right. You know, I mean, come on. Wives, you, you instruct us as husbands, ask for directions at times. It's okay. If you don't know where something is, just please don't use your phone here and ask Siri. Siri, where is, Le- all right, don't do that. Just look it up. Uh, so we were there. God's doing incredible things. Uh, there is a resurgence of church planting and reaching those Baltic states who were once used to be part of the former Soviet Union. They once used to have more Christianity in them. Now there's less than 1% of the entire population of those three countries that actually proclaim a relationship with Christ. But I praise God for people like Nick Puccini. Uh, he's, He's one of our missionaries that we support. He's in Tallinn, Estonia, and planting an incredible church there that's going to be a life giving church, a church that plants more churches just like New Life is wanting to be, so that we can plant more preaching stations that people can hear the good news of Christ, where community can come together and people can actually grow in a relationship with God that transforms their life. You and me are a part of that right now, what's happening in the Baltics, because of your giving to missions. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Um, Kim and I decided that uh, it was worth our finances to pay for her to come with me. And so we did that. She came along with me. And then we decided to go on vacation, vacation to a place where most of you would just go, why would you vacation there? Uh, But we hopped on a ferry, we went across to uh, Helsinki, Finland, we spent a couple of days, then we hopped on a high-speed train, ended up in St. Petersburg, Russia, Um, and we spent a few days there, then we we hopped on another high-speed train, went down and spent a few days in Moscow, Uh, Moscow, Russia. It was an amazing trip. Uh, I had a, a coffee appointment set up with Putin, but he didn't show up. So I had a horseback riding event with him. We were going to go shirtless. It was going to be amazing, Um, but we didn't do it. So um, unfortunately, I don't have any of those photos to bring back to you. But Kim and I, we had a blast. It was a a really, really good time. It really kind of speaks to where I'm going today, though. Uh, I'm an all-in kind of a guy. I'm one of these kind of guys that if I'm going to do something, I'm all in for it, or I'm not going to go and do it at all. Right? I'm either I'm, I'm all in or I'm all out. Uh, I, that's kind of what I've watched my life over the last number of years. That's allowed me to do some really great things, but it's also brought some real serious destruction to my life as well. And even that vacation I was talking about is an example of it. You know, we, we get there and uh, we, we show up and we're, we're riding subways and, you know, we don't rent a car. We just stay, stay at a hotel near a subway station and you know, we get off the train dragging our, our luggage and hop onto a subway and go underground someplace and pop up and hopefully we're at the right place and there's our hotel. We, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, when, even with my vacations, it's about 
conquering, right? It's about the adventure of it. And uh, my wife just kind of like is the woman that is so gracious to me, and she endures much of it, I know, I know. And so then I have to go and I have to give, give her the vacation that she likes, which is this, can we just sit next to the beach and, you know, can we just, you know, just spend time there? And so I have to go do that to balance it all out. But my kind of lifestyle is, let's go conquer something. Who cares about going back to someplace twice? There's way more things to see. There's way more adventures that are out there. And so we just go after it. Hence, Russia, as an example. But when that, when that was being lived out in my life of sin, you know, before really committing my heart to God, I was living a life that was full throttled, it had no boundaries, it was reckless, it was a reckless pace of self-centered living. And I know something about myself. <clears throat> I still have that man inside of me. That man, if unleashed and let go of, has the ability to cause pain and destruction. There is the sinful Jeff Baker that lives on the inside of me, just like there's the sinful you that lives on the inside of you that's trying with all of its might to get out and to come out and to cause pain and destruction everywhere it goes. One thing is true about my life now, and that is that man is forever decreasing while Christ is increasing. And if you can say that about yourself, that's a big amen, right? Right, and sometimes it feels like the old man's winning out on certain days when we want the new man to win out. And if you feel that way, welcome to the crowd. But I know this about myself. I know that this is kind of the way that I'm wired. And when I did live that lifestyle, it was reckless and it was abandoned. In fact, even during those days, I, I, I have to look back on it almost every day that I get ready in the morning because on this arm, I, I had tattooed onto my body during those days this tattoo right, that has the Tasmanian devil on it. After I gave my life to Christ, shortly after that, a while, while uh, as, as I'm living my life for Christ, I sense the Holy Spirit say to me literally, yeah, you, you see that picture? That, that picture you put on your body as a representation of the man that you really were, spiraling out of control, causing destruction everywhere that you went. But equally so, my life in this all-out, all-abandoned cause has been amazing when it comes to the things of God. Because in my life for Christ, I've been equally full-throttled towards the mission of God that he has set before me. I have risked more than most feel comfortable risking. I've put my family in positions where I've uprooted them and we've moved to places without even a promise of compensation. I've risked my life in, to live in violent and more hostile places just so that we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can reach those who would be deemed the unreachable or the untouchable. I've had the privilege of standing before thousands in open-air environments around the world where places of you know, watching for you know, terrorism or watching for gang activity while we're preaching the gospel on a street corner to hundreds or in a park to thousands just winning people into the kingdom of God. I've had the ability to start many ministries from scratch, from nothing. But that all goes back to that drive on the inside of me that it's all or it's nothing. I'm an all-in kind of a guy. And that's just the way that I've been wired. I see faith as risk. When I hear the word faith, 
I hear the word risk. And when I, when I look at my life, I believe that when I look at scripture as well, I believe that if faith isn't acquiring some amount of risk, then faith is dying. I pray about things that others won't even entertain. I dream about ministry opportunities without restraint. I don't dream through the lens of finance. I don't dream through the lens of what do I have right now that I can accomplish it with. I don't dream through the lens of what my experience has been. I dream through the lens of God, what's possible with you. And then when I sense a God dream stirring on the inside of me, I come back to God and I say, God, how are we going to accomplish that? But that's that all in, all abandoned, hold nothing back, just go after God with everything. Now in the midst of that, I've faced setbacks. And I've faced even defeat. But this, this has only served to mature me, not to deter me. I'm afraid that some of you are similar to me. But in your defeat and your setback, it didn't mature. It deterred. And it caused us to throttle back. God's asking us to throttle up in the end of days in which we live and to accomplish all that he's called for us. So in this teaching series of Light Verse, sharing a little bit of who I am and what makes me me, there's some verses that are ultra important to me. The very first verse that I, that I feel like really started to radically shape and change me into a man that was all in and abandoned completely for God was Galatians 2.20. Here's how it reads. I want you to read this with me, by the way. Okay, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I remember the very first time I read that verse. It like it jumped off the page at me. It came alive as if it stood up on top of God's word and it looked me right in the face. And it said, that's you, Jeff Baker. And I remember writing it down on a little sticky note and sticking it on my computer screen. This is way back, way back before I ever owned a laptop and it sat there on my desktop screen. And it, it was there for years years in fact it was there so long that the the sticky note like some of your sticky notes that you've had for a long time they start to curl up right and you try to you try to flatten them back out but it never works and you don't dare iron them because you just look silly and you know you can't rewrite it because it meant something when you wrote it you could just rewrite it onto a new one and stick it there but there was a meaning to that something jumped off the page at you at that very moment you know what i'm talking about right i'm not just crazy up here i hope I might be, but just keep that to yourself. It sat there so long, I remember tearing it off, right? And my whole computer screen had kind of changed, and that little spot was cleaner than all the rest. And I remember throwing that thing in the trash, feeling almost as if I was breaking some kind of law before God. It had spoke so much to me, and over the years and the days of reflecting on that one verse in a, in a sense of saturation, of going, God, that's who I want to be. I want to be the man that I no longer live, but that Christ lives in me. Praying about that, laying my life down, saying, God, remove the wickedness in me. Cause me to be a man that's abandoned to your cause. 
I remember that. It just saturated in me over and over and over again until finally it became me. This verse resonates with me for many reasons. And the first one is what I just quoted. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right? My give it all kind of lifestyle comes from knowing that I no longer live. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives. Oh, is Jeff Baker breathing? Yes, I am. Is the old Jeff Baker, the sinful Jeff Baker, trying to get out? Yes, he is all the time. And it reminds me of my humanity. But church, what I'm anchored in today, and what I want to stay anchored in into the last days of my life is that I no longer live. It's not about me. It's about him. Now, in the midst of that, will I enjoy what he's given me? Yes, I will. Will I put my hands to work on tinkering and toys and different fun things? Yes, I will. But in the core of who I am, I recognize and I realize all of that is meaningless. Because I'm anchored in a principle that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, I'm trying to live my life in such a way that at the end of my days, I have little to no regrets. I'm trying to live my life in such a way that I spend myself, I spend myself for the cause of Christ. And this can only be done one way, one way and one way only. Because in that verse it said, I must live this life by what? Faith. I must live this life by faith in the Son of God. See, it's not about being this radical daredevil that has seemingly no limits that will push things to the extreme. That's not where true joy comes from. True joy, true purpose, true significance, it comes from when you live your life by faith in the Son of God. And your give-it-all attitude then becomes Christ-centered then it's less destructive and brings less damage to people around you. See, when we're just living life for self, our lives become like a weapon that's dangerous, that offends and it wounds people around us. But when we're all in, like I'm going for Christ, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price, I've been crucified that Christ might live in me, now your life becomes a weapon in the hands of the Savior, being wheeled and spent to advance his kingdom in your day in your time, with whatever resources God's put around you and me. And when we we desire to surrender to God, like I've been crucified, I'm dead, it's not me anymore, it's you, God, it's your desires, then verses like Galatians 2.20 can act as an anchor. It can act as an anchor. Let me, I've, I've done something up here on the stage to help us understand this today. I've actually anchored into the stage. Yep, it's radical. <laughs> you, can't pull, you can't pull this out. I tried earlier, right? You can't, there's nothing that you can do to pull this anchor out of the stage. In fact, I was told if I pull it out of this stage, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and I said, I'll give it my best, man. I'll give it my best. Galatians 2.20 acts as an anchor for me in this regard. That the old Jeff Baker is trying to get out. The old Jeff Baker that wanted all of the substances that he would abuse in his past. And I start heading towards those and the anchor holds. 
I start heading towards those things, and the anchor grabs me. Or I start heading towards the old Jeff Baker, wrapped up in sexual immorality. And I start heading towards that, and the anchor, it grabs a hold of me, and it holds me. And I'll explain how it happens. It holds me. As I want to go that direction, all of a sudden something holds me, and it goes, you're not going that way. Or, you know, my striving for cash, for money, living life just for what this world can provide. And I start heading that direction, and all of a sudden there's an anchor that grabs me. And I try, to, I try to get to it, but it holds me back. And I, I want to get there, but there's something holding me back. Or when it comes time to forgive versus unforgiveness. God's word speaking strong to our lives. And all of a sudden, I want to hang on to this unforgiveness, but I can't. There's something that anchors me. Now, you can break free of it. And many of us have all too often, including myself. Because the anchor... The anchor is only as good as you get God's word into your heart and you surrender yourself to God's spirit and you say, I'm not my own anymore, but have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's only as good as you hang on to that because it's all too easy to just say, no, I think I want it my way. See, God's word acts like an anchor. We call it conviction. It's called truth. And it acts as an anchor for that moment, that moment when you get to decide whether you're going to obey it or you're going to break free from it and go do your own thing. We all have that ability. So the anchor is there. I can't, there's no way I can pull that anchor out of the ground. That's truth. God's word is true and there's nothing I can do about it except for go on my own free will and detach from it. So that's obviously not where I want to go. That's not what I would encourage you to do either. But when God's word is in our heart, there's that moment when we want to act on our sinful nature that there's a check in our spirit. That check in the spirit is like when that rope got taunt and you had a decision to make at that very moment whether I'm going to obey God's word, I'm truly going to live crucified before Christ, or I'm going to lay that down. And I'm going to live for Jeff Baker. You're going to live for yourself. Those are choices that we have to make. But it's also in moments like this that I hear my filter verse. So that's an anchor for me. I've been crucified with Christ. There's also this verse that I hear all too often in the corridors of my heart. In Philippians 4.8. Would you please read this one with me? This acts as a filter for me. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. My greatest struggle in life right now, this current moment in which I stand before you, is what goes on inside of this little mind up here. What happens inside of this mind is devastating, damaging, and it controls and it manipulates. Because inside of my mind, the biggest thing I wrestle with right now is being overly critical of myself. I give little to no room for failure in my life. When I go with this all-in kind of mentality, the thing that has its greatest ability to cause damage to me 
is when I don't think that I'm actually accomplishing what I set out to accomplish. And I get down on myself, and I get critical of myself. I'm the most critical person you have ever met toward me. I'm the most hateful person you have ever met toward me. I'm the most unforgiving person you have ever met toward myself. Grace for others, quite a bit. Doesn't extend for eternity, I got that. You know, I have shorter fuses than longer fuses at times, like we all do. But when it comes to me, my life is under a microscope all the time. And that, that's my greatest struggle right now. So isn't it amazing that for years, my filter verse, the verse that I sense the Holy Spirit coming back and reminding me of, is a verse that says, Jeff, here's what I want you to think on. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are noble. Think on things that are right and that are pure. And then it says, if anything is excellent. If anything is excellent? That's in the Bible, by the way. What do you know that's excellent? What do you know that's praiseworthy? Christ, right? Everything that God is involved with is excellent and praiseworthy. If anything is, pra- is excellent, basically what the Bible's saying here is if you go back to the original language, it says, since, since, There are things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Think on those things, Jeff. Redirect your mind away from you and direct it towards him. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, sometimes he has to speak more than once. Thank you for honesty. Sometimes he has to speak more than once to me. Sometimes he uses the woman sitting in the front row. If you understand what I'm trying to say, he uses people on your team and he speaks. But when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, think on these things, this is what I've noticed inside of my heart. I've laid down the criticism. I've laid down the anger. I've laid down the hatred at the moment. And I think on Christ. You know what's so amazing about that? It pulls me right out of that funk. Pulls me right out of that junk. Pulls me right out of that little pity party that I was having. Over that little prideful, arrogant thing that's inside of me. It pulls me right out of that thing. There's a freedom instantly. It's like a cloud goes away. How often does this happen in my life? Well, how often does it happen in your life? The old me wants to continue to corrupt There's an enemy that's out there who is wanting to continue to defeat. And I need an anchor verse. And I need a filter verse. And I need all of God's word, by the way. These are just a couple of things. But I need that filter to help pull me out of that at moments. And for God's word to adjust the way I think. Adjust my attitude. Adjust my behavior. Adjust what my mouth is saying. If God's word isn't acting in that manner for you as it is for me... And we need to get ourselves into God's word in a different way. I would suggest memorizing God's word, getting God's word into your heart so that you have the ability to combat whatever it is that the enemy's trying to throw your way. Because when we don't use God's word to combat what the enemy's throwing at us, then there's another anchor 
that gets to have its freedom in our lives. It's the anchor that actually sin brings. We haven't talked about that one. But there's an anchor of God's word that keeps us from becoming the person that the enemy's wanting us to be. Then there's also the anchor of sin. And all too often, we let the anchor of sin get around us, and it will just... This is a heavy chain, by the way. It will, it will just weigh us down. And it wraps us up, and it takes all of our freedom away, and it gets us to a point where we're all, we're all just consumed by the sin in which we're living in. Until finally the weight of this sin brings us to our knees to a point of ineffectiveness, an inability to love, an inability to be safe, and it anchors us to sin. Sin will anchor your love down where you can't love the way you're supposed to love. It will anchor your forgiveness down so you can't forgive. It will anchor down your joy. It will anchor down your peace. It will anchor you down. It weighs you down. There's a physical burden of sin that weighs us down. And the weight of it, carrying it around all the time, trying to hide it away in moments like this, Moments when you're around others, trying to hide it away, but it's got you. You you can't have the freedom. You don't don't have the freedom to be who you want to be. Because sin acts like an anchor. It holds you down. You're going to be a master to one or the other. You're either going to be a master to the anchor of God, or you're going to be a master to the anchor of sin. Romans 6, 17 and 18, it tells us that Once you were slaves of sin, slaves, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery of sin, and you have become slaves, though, to righteous living. Slavery equals, and what it really means is to become a master. You're either a slave to sin, slaves become your master, Or you are a slave to righteousness, a slave to God, and God has become your master. So we we no longer have to be slaves or in bondage to our sin, but now we can become slaves to God. And we can become anchored in his word. And we can get free from the chains that are trying to hold us down, and we can get rid of this kind of stuff. It is possible You don't have to keep living out the old man. The old man doesn't have to keep dominating your life. But you're going to have to make a choice. It's either going to be in bondage and in anchored by sin, or it's going to be anchored in God's word that holds you. Oh, you think, well, man, if I'm anchored to sin, then I can roam wherever I want to. You only roam for so long. God's word might hold us. And not allow us to roam all over the place. But when you choose God's word, guess what you get? When you choose God's word, look what you are. I'm free to love. I'm free to give. I'm free to forgive. My life is free. Well, I'm still a slave to God's word, yeah. God's word better act as my master, or otherwise I'm going to go after the things that we saw before. But I'd rather be a slave to God's word than a slave to sin all day long, being anchored 
in God's word. How do you really truly break the chains? It's all through repentance. It's by coming to God and going, God, I repent to you. I admit, God, I've been, I've been living my life with these chains, and I'm not anchored in your word. Your word doesn't act as a filter. It doesn't change my behavior and thoughts and ideas. It, it doesn't affect me. It's repentance to God, and it's also running to God. And as you start that journey, it's also getting more of God into our lives by worshiping together in moments like this, by memorizing God's word and getting it into our hearts, by spending time with God in simple prayer, right? And by being in fellowship with other believers, by walking that out, and by surrendering our lives to Christ and saying, God, I'm going to start where Jeff did. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's that attitude of complete surrender. When you start there, you start to break the chains. But how do you live even more abandoned to Christ? You do that through trusting God more in different areas of your life. I would encourage you today, if you want to live more abandoned to Christ, pick an area of your life right now, a major area that you're controlling could be your occupation, could be raising your children, it could be your finances, it could be in a relationship. It might also be in some area of sin in your life that you've just held on to. And I would encourage you to take whatever that area is and bring it to God and say, God, I'm going to learn and I want to learn how to start trusting you with this area of my life. I want to start trusting you with this area of my life. Here's how you do that, though. You go back to God's word, and you start searching God's word for the answers for where you're at. If you're facing sin in your life that you're wanting to overcome and conquer, my encouragement to you would do exactly, do exactly what Jesus did when he overcame temptation in Luke chapter 4. Search scripture and find the scripture that speaks to your scenario. Grab a hold of it. Stand on it, let it be an anchor, and let it be a filter that forever changes the way you live. There's an answer for whatever you're facing in God's word. Your life is not so unique that there isn't an answer for whatever you're facing in God's word. If it's a step of faith that you're having to take, search God's word for where that step of faith was taken. And identify with that scripture, identify yourself with that character. Draw yourself near to God's word, and God draws near to you. Whatever it is you're facing, there's an answer for it in God's word. Galatians 2.20 and Philippians 4.8 is definitely what I needed. And I forever have hung on to those. And God's added to them throughout the years. Those two are very, very significant to me. And in this teaching series called Life Verse, where we pull back the veil and we let you see who we are as pastors is a little bit more And help you see how God's word changes and and manipulates my life to line up with him in a pure way. I want to challenge you today. That at the altars, as the worship team comes in a moment, that at these altars are a place where you can get yourself anchored with God. You can give up the chains that are anchoring you and you can get yourself anchored with God. But God's asking us to come with hungry hearts. Hearts that are searching him. Hearts that are hungry for him. You can come to an altar like this during this time of worship in a moment, and you can lay your life down, and you can say, God, I no longer live, but you live. 
You can come to an altar like this with whatever it is that you're facing, and you can kneel down, and you can seek God, and you can say, God, speak to me through the power of your Spirit. Open up your word to me this week and reveal to me the answers that I need. You can come to an altar like this, and you can kneel down, and you can say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for unshackling myself from your word and living a life that I thought was the right. Forgive me, God. I want to reconnect myself back to the anchor of your word. You can come to an altar like this because these altars are for the hungry. These altars are for hungry people. These altars aren't, aren't just for people that are the messed up. We've classified our altars that way for so long. Now these altars here, her altars in the venue and in North Platte, these altars are for hungry people that are going, God, I want to be anchored in your word and I want your word to act as a filter. I surrender. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, your word is powerful. Your word is true. It lasts from eternity until the end of days. It lasts, from the be- it lasts from the beginning until the end. Lord, it's not connected to just this earth. It's connected to your heart. It's not just connected to us as a people, but it is, it is a, a statement, God, that reflects who you really are. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Lord, your word, your word alters us. It changes us. It Lord, it holds us in moments when we were trying to flee. It protects us from ourselves. It shapes us and it transforms us into the men and the women that you're calling us to be. Thank you for your word that's an anchor for me. Thank you for your word that is a filter that changes the way I think. It changes the way that I live. It changes the way I love. And Lord, today, in these next few moments... As we respond to you, this is our one-on-one moment with you. As we respond to you, God, will you, would you speak clearly to this congregation, person by person? Would you draw them near to yourself? Would you cause your word that's in many of their hearts to be stirred even in this moment? That we would reflect on who you are. That we, we, we would worship you who you really are. God, we surrender. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We've been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. But may you live in us and may you live through us. In Jesus' name, amen.